Let's dental. Today as a continuation continuation of pemphigus vulgaris, we will be discussing about the reaching to the diagnosis of pemphigus, how to reach, how to diagnose this disease and also what are the laboratory investigations we have to do. Then we will discuss about the management of these patients. In the previous episodes, we discussed about like different variants of the pemphigus and now we are discussing in detail about the pemphigus vulgaris. We have discussed clinical features and oral manifestations of this disease. So today we will discuss about the differential diagnosis. So clinically what is present in the mouth means for the patient there are ulcers on the, in the oral mucosa and also on the skin. So mostly this disease will present both on the skin and the mucosa. Rarely we will see only in the oral mucosa. It might be in the initial stages only but later anyhow the patient will develop the skin lesions. So we have given the provisional diagnosis as, as pemphigus vulgaris. So what we had to consider in the differential diagnosis anyhow we had to rule out any is it because of any viral infection or is it allergic reaction or erythema multiformia or recurrent aphthous stomatitis or any other autoimmune disease in presenting in the mouth. So what are the differential diagnosis means? Coming to the viral infections again the most common is herpes virus infections, varicella zoster infection and many other viral infections. And next is the erythema multiformi, allergic stomatitis and then we have to consider of recurrent aphthous stomatitis. So all these can be distinguished from the pemphigus by clinical manifestations only, like clinical presentation only. First viral infections, as we have discussed most of the viral infections causing oral ulcers will be preceded by the fever and malaise to the patient and also there will be prodromal pain like if it is a recurrent viral infection presenting there will be prodromal pain along the nerve distribution and we, as we discussed it there will be unilateral ulcerations. Coming to the ulcer itself if it is a femphigus ulcer the ulcer will be as we discussed it will be a little bigger in size there will be a regular shape and it will be like spreading at the periphery as uh, discussed Nikolsky's sign will be present and also there will be epithelial tags at the periphery. This is the typical presentation of pemphigus vulgaris ulcer. Whereas in the viral infections, the ulcer will not be of that size. Like they will be in a little smaller in size. And at a time, like they will appear acutely. The onset will be acute. And there will be like many ulcers will appear at a time. And if it is a recurrent form, there will be unilateral. And also these ulcers will be self-healing. If it is a viral infection, most of the time they will be self-healing. They will heal within 1 to 2 weeks. So prodromal symptoms, size of the ulcer, number of ulcers, unilateral if it is recurrent viral infection and also self-healing nature. So these are the typical features which we can dis with which we can distinguish these ulcers with from the Pemphigus vulgaris. Even though in the pemphigus also we will see the multiple ulcers but in viral infections ulcers will be many in number whereas in the pemphigus you will see more than one or two but they will not reach up to 10 ulcers not more than that because of their size they will be few in size. So next differential diagnosis will be erythema multiforme which is also acute in onset but mostly it is recognized to be an allergic type of reaction. It even can be because of some viral infections also. But it is like an allergic reaction presenting in the mouth. It is acute in onset. The lesions will heal by crusting. The typical crustaceans are seen on the lips of these patients. If the patient has only ulcer, oral lesions also, the typical crustacean of the skin or the vermilion border of the lips is seen in this particular erythema multiforme. That is the main characteristic feature and it, these are also self-healing as seen in the viral infections. That is they will be healing within 1-2 weeks with crustaceans. 
so these features we can distinguish it from the pemphigus and next comes the recurrent of the stomatitis as we discussed in the previous episodes in the recurrent of the also the ulcers will be little smaller in size and they will be symmetrical of round shape and they will be shallow again and there will be inflammatory changes will be seen at the periphery of the lesion and they are also self healing but in one place they will heal and recur in the other place whereas in the pemphigus the same ulcer will go on increasing in size and it will be present for weeks to months to years also sometimes if not treated so in the recurrent of this the ulcers will be small round or symmetrical in shape and they will be self healing and so this is how we have to differentiate it from the recurrent of the stomatitis and other like uh, we even sometimes we give the diagnosis as disquamative gingivitis actually this is just a describing word but should not be given as a diagnosis because this is nothing but there will be erythema is present on the gingiva for which we are using this word like the disquamation of the epithelium is in disquamative gingivitis so any time if you are seeing describing it as a disquamative gingivitis we need to rule out what this is what is causing this is it an allergy to the any any allergic reaction or is it because of the lichen planus like in seen in the erythematous lichen planus or the erosive lichen planus and sometimes pemphigus and pemphigoids also will present as a disquamative gingivitis so any ulcer for, uh, after excluding this viral infections are erythema multiforme and recurrent of the stomatitis what else we have to consider means if the ulcer is like same as the pemphigus ulcer only but it is present chronically and also it is increasing in size so other diseases we had to consider is like erosive lichen planus and the pemphigoids subepithelial bullous diseases of the mouth so how to differentiate means we had to do the biopsy and confirm the pemphigus vulgaris so how what what you can see in the biopsy histopathologically means the typical presentation of pemphigus vulgaris is there is intraepithelial acantholysis that is within the epithelial layers only you will see the acantholysis that is separation of the epithelial cells will be seen and formation of the vesicles so the biopsy will confirm you the pemphigus so other investigations which will help you in diagnosing this pemphigus vulgaris from other autoimmune ulcerations like lichen planus and pemphigoids is biopsy and direct immunofluorescence we can do indirect immunofluorescence and also the elisa test is also helpful so coming to the laboratory investigations we will do all these procedures to diagnose to differentiate it from the other autoimmune diseases we are doing the laboratory investigations first is the biopsy as we discussed it shows intraepithelial acantholysis that is the typical of pemphigus and what where we have to if it is an oral ulcer so we better we take an uh, like a biopsy from the periphery of the like edge of the lesion that is where the mucosa is intact as if the nikolsky sign is present we can apply pressure and take the biopsy from that particular fresh vesicle or the bulla that is better if not also we have to take the uh, like biopsy including the periphery uh, edge of the lesion so this is how we have to do the biopsy to do, to see for the acantholysis epithelial acant because if it is sent from the center of the ulcer epithelium is already denuded so we can't see the epithelial layers or the acantholysis in the biopsy that is very important where to do the biopsy is very important and next is the direct immunofluorescence where we are using like antibodies against the desmoglins that is this test is done on the biopsy specimen only and antibodies are uh, which are we are applying on the specimen they will go and bind to the epithelial cells that is desmo to the desmoglin 1 or 3 to the of the epithelial cells they will bind and we can see the because of the fluorescence we can see that this is because of this epithelial layer antibodies only antibodies against the epithelial 
self glycoproteins only this is caused so that is nothing but the femficus we can confirm it next is the indirect immunofluorescence this test is done mainly to know the severity of the disease or the progress of the disease once the patients are given with the treatment like medication is started to rule out whether the prognosis is good means there is improvement in the disease or not we have to do this indirect immunofluorescence where we are assessing the level of antibody titers in the blood that is serum blood test is done where we will see the amount like quantity of the antibodies in the circulation if the antibodies are decreased means we can think that there is improvement with the medication and we can continue the medication if not we have to switch to the other medications to the patient next is the elisa test is also done where we can make out whether desmoglein 1 is involved or desmoglein 3 is involved also we can make out again this is a blood test elisa also so one is biopsy direct immunofluorescence indirect immunofluorescence and elisa are done different tests done laboratory investigations for the femficus so after these doing all these tests we are confirming the diagnosis as femficus so how to manage these patients what is present what is the symptoms and signs of this disease means patients will complain of an ulcer in the mouth but most of the time they will have not they will not have any symptoms like pain will not be there with these ulcers but if it is secondarily infected patient may complain of like burning sensation or pain on taking food so that time we have to prevent secondary infections by giving like proper oral hygiene maintenance or mouthwashes can be given to the patient that is primary next coming to the treatment of assess the ulcer that is signs we have seen the signs of the means we have seen the size of the ulcer whether it is location of the ulcer and all matters so how to control this size of the ulcers means main stay of treatment will be corticosteroids so mainly in the oral mucosa it is observed that it, the studies have shown that no other adjuvant medication will be helpful in the oral lesions whereas on the skin lesions along with the steroids other drugs are also tried like azathioprine cyclophosphamide and uh, uh, tetracyclines are tried and doxycycline is uh, as of some help to the patients for the skin lesions but for the oral lesions main stay of treatment will be corticosteroids only so these corticosteroids are given like topically to the ulcer or intralesionally or systemically can be given so if the lesion is very mild and the patient is not have not much discomfort is there and the skin is not involved we can think of only giving the topical steroids that is on the like as a paste or like ointment or cream are given to the patient patient will apply on the lesion about 3 to 4 times a day that will help the patient if the patient if the lesion is not healing we have to think of giving the systemic steroids again if the patient is already immunocompromised like medically compromised like having having the hypertension or diabetic so giving steroids systemically is again a problem in those cases we have to think of giving the the intralesional injections to the patient that is at the periphery of the ulcer only intralesionally injections steroid injections are given so that it will help in the healing of the ulcer within the area so intralesional steroids are also preferred for the oral lesions otherwise if still the disease cannot be controlled we have to think of giving the like systemic steroids only so for this early diagnosis is very helpful because once we diagnose it early means we can manage these patients with short periods of steroids like so it can be controlled by short period of steroidal doses so how it is given means about 1 to 2 mg per kg weight is given per day so this is the minimum um, like dosage of these steroids should be given to the patient and this is about the systemic steroids topical steroids and the intralesional steroids 
So adjuvant therapy is considered only if the skin lesions are present and bothering the patient. Otherwise, my variants of the pemphigus. Thank you.